in my experience, if you're struggling to feed yourself or to pay rent or whatever, there's not a lot of room for creative expression because you have to, you know, step one is to ensure that you're able to survive. This is a show about creative people and their creative practices. It's your weekly reminder that you are not alone in figuring out how to do the creative work that matters to you. Welcome to The Used Key. I'm your host, Ray Kess. This season, we're talking about money. And today, I have the pleasure and privilege of speaking with Bryce Charlie. Hi, Bryce. Hello. I have folks introduce themselves. Will you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Bryce. I'm originally from Edmonton, Alberta, and I'm a creative who's now living and working in Montreal. And before we jump in, what are your pronouns? Uh, him, but thank you for asking. Okay. So as you know, we're going to be talking about your relationship between money and creative work. Very exciting. Totally. Before we get to that, I would love to know a little bit more about how money shaped your childhood. Ooh. Okay. So my parents got divorced when I was in grade two. So I was kind of raised by a, like a single mother and like, you know, my father and we kind of did this like week, week transition. And they kind of had very different relationships with money as like my mom was like a teacher. So things were a little bit more, you know, like we had to be a little bit more tight. And I think her relationship with money was a little more healthy where my dad was earning more, but didn't quite think about money. And I think he had a lot of taboo around money and wasn't somebody to openly express it. And yeah. And then also my older brother was very much into like hip hop music and like that kind of um, showing off wealth and was able to see how that kind of came up and like bit him in the type of financial crisis that he got in around that. So And then I kind of grew up like a punk kid. So my early relationship with money was like, capitalism's evil, man. Money's the devil. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, And then anything kind of too fancy or, you know, like kind of like flashing wealth made me feel uncomfortable. So then when like, for example, when my mom got remarried and we kind of were able to move into a nicer place, I was a little like ashamed of that, you know? Yeah, I think that's the quick rundown. Thank you for sharing that. So can you tell me a little bit more about what your creative practice looks like now? I think I'm coming to terms that I'm a a writer who really likes to bring creatives together and support them and try to, yeah, kind of like playing that kind of producer role. And that's what I'm doing for my job with the image salon. Uh, They call me a community manager, which I didn't know it was a thing, but essentially I think my job is to make friends. Not a bad job. Yeah, it's not a bad job. And then for like my, I guess, like creative expression outside of my job role, it's like creative nonfiction, kind of like gonzo journalism-y stuff. And like right now I'm releasing, I guess, a serialized story as a newsletter um, that's kind of like loosely based on when me and my photography photographer friend were lying that we worked for publications to get into like rock and roll shows for free and it's kind of like twisting the reality around that and trying to get to to like the emotional truth of the situation i don't know any creatives who haven't lied their way into something at some point (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, like I don't like definitely when I was younger, I was all like, yeah, fake it until you make it. But like, I don't know if like that's quite the approach. But I think you definitely have to like put yourself out there and create opportunities. And occasionally you have to punch above your weight and like hopefully it clicks into place. And like, is it faking if you're able to deliver on your promises? I think it's just like, if you make a promise, you have to keep it. That's it. Yes. Yeah. I can get behind that. Okay. So how does money influence your creative practice? Well, for a long time, I really like bought into that narrative of like being a starving artist and like you had to be broken to create meaningful art and, you know, all of uh, the relationships you were in had to be very sparky and turbulent and full of heartbreak and ecstasy and wild nights. Yeah. And then kind of like having that attitude of like money's the devil and not wanting to have it in my life. But then it would create these situations where you're unable to provide for your basic needs. So then you're scrambling and then your creative output is taking a hit. And if you're like, in my experience, if you're struggling to feed yourself or to pay rent or whatever, there's not a lot of room for creative expression because you have to, you know, Step one is to ensure that you're able to survive. But my relationship now is kind of like having financial sustainability, like really equals creative freedom. So I think like in a lot of ways, my life currently is not what I thought the life of an artist would be. It's very kind of, yeah, I'll say it. It's kind of like boring and like very like domesticated and like blissful, but allowing that type of comfort and stability allows me to really like push the creative expression and like what I want to be doing there. And like also like not having the pressure pressure on my like artistic self to be able to pay my bills. So I think my relationship with my internal artist has gone from like trying to pimp it out for money to like nurturing it and like having a job so I can like, feed this like art and like have meaning from just like doing the work. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. So as we both know, money is never just about money. Mm-hmm. What other factors, if any, influence your ability to make money as a creative? Like in what way? Well, so I mean, so sometimes this can be like a privileged conversation. Okay. Sometimes it can be a conversation about the type of work that you do and the market for that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and or connections, anything like that. Okay. Like I'm a big believer in like having like a day job and like, let me think about this. I think it like depends as like, as an artist, like what are you wanting to do? Like, are you wanting to pursue it as a professional artist or is it just kind of like a form of creative expression and like you need like an outlet? So if we're deciding that like we want to be making our living from being like an artist, then it kind of, I think the art that you're creating kind of needs to interact with an audience and like obviously some form of marketplace. So I think like having very open conversations on like what that means and like actually what motivates you. Cause for like the longest time for me, it's like money wasn't like a, a motive motivator. So like I would like enter like opportunities or to take contracts that would be like paying me money, but then be like, having such a hard time finding the motivation in it because you're just doing it for a paycheck where like I'm much more happy to have a job and to allow that creative expression to run wild and be free and like kind of avoiding 
that pressure. And I think like right now I'm very lucky, lucky to be in a position where all this kind of weird experience as a creative and an artist, like I'm allowed to contribute it to a company who has like a mission of like supporting artists. That's like really in line with my own. So I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, that's what I'm going to lock, lock in. Let's wind back the clock a moment. Okay. What is the most creative way that you've made money? The most creative way that I've made money? However you interpret creative, it doesn't even have to be creative work. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think I've ever really been in a position where... And also, like, what's, like, the appropriate stuff to... The expression. Well, I mean, like in high school, there was a brief period where I thought it would be cool to try to uh, be a marijuana drug dealer. And like that was kind of short lived. And like kind of earlier on, when I kind of started to get into the creative racket, like I was really into music. So, you know, like organizing shows, like booking a venue and like having the bands and doing that. That was always very exciting. Me and my buddy put together this magazine called Destroy the Internet that I was like selling out of the trunk of my car and like that was kind of cool and exciting and and yeah but like it's like yeah like I don't know like outside of that it's just like coming from Edmonton just like working a lot of like labor jobs or in kitchens and like finding ways to earn and to kind of yeah I don't know where I was going with that so on that note what's the most creativity killing way that you've made money whenever I found myself working for like a company or having a contract where I need to be tapping into that creative self, but like, I don't believe in the mission of the company. Like it just sucks it, you know? So if it's like, like all day you're like writing for some, like, for example, some like piece of shit, like real estate company. And you're like, man, this is just full of like grease bags. And then you come home and you're like, well, I've been like writing all day. Like I don't want to write. Like it's a little bit like hard to get there. Cause I feel like you're like, tapping that energy so for me like earlier on it was it was a lot better to be working like physical jobs or jobs where I could kind of like turn off my brain and just go through the motions like one of like the best jobs I had for creative expression was cutting grass for the city of Edmonton where I would just essentially like drive a tractor for like 10 hours of the day and just like listen to podcasts and just like talk to myself and kind of you know, be alone with your thoughts. Cause I don't think we often allow ourselves too much time to have it. And then you would like get home and be so jazzed. And you're like, I got like so much that I want to put out and like kind of having those like shitty day jobs to push against. And like in my current role, like I struggled with that at first. Cause I was like so excited to be in this position and this, like we're really doing a lot of like interesting work at the image salon and like really helping support photographers like sort out their business and you know take off some of their editing responsibilities so they can get their time back so I was just kind of like really burning that kind of creative energy there and then kind of got to a point where it's like well like I need to have my own creative outlet so I can like explore some of these ideas and like since I've been putting an emphasis on establishing that then like I'm noticing that my ability like in my day job 
it's like also like multiplied because it's like I'm feeling fulfilled on both ends. Yeah. Final answer. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I get that. I think there's something, it sort of goes back to your motivation piece as well. Like just figuring out how your creative work works in with your life and all of that. And then using that to your advantage. Yeah. So are you able to support yourself financially through your creative practice right now? No. And yeah. And like within, I guess the past year and a half, like just got to a place where like, I don't even want to do that. You know, like that's of no interest for me. Cause there's been so many times in my life where, you know, I'm get together this like really interesting project and like things are moving along and it's like getting traction and you're being introduced to like incredible people and you're getting some like art council money and like a lot of that support. But then you have this pressure of like, well, like I don't want to be working in a kitchen anymore. So like this needs to pay my bills. Like how can I get it to pay my bills? And then you're trying to look for like shortcuts and then there's this pressure and it just kind of kills it. And it doesn't like in my experience, it's like having that mindset sometimes erodes like the environment that would allow that project to be like nurtured into something that could eventually sustain you but at the same time like i think all of those projects that i've done in the past or like the different like art collectives that i've been in have given me you know like the experience and the knowledge and have built up my portfolio so that i was able to kind of get into this position where you know i'm getting paid to be using my creative self like like anyways um yeah but for me i don't like i don't have an interest being like i'm a professional artist and i make my living from selling my books and there's like a little bit like more to that because i think like i think sometimes professional artists can get like too wrapped up in that and then they kind of get like pulled away from being able to like tap into i guess like reality and kind of be able to like honestly like reflect on their surroundings yeah, totally. Yeah. And it creates an expectation, right? Like I, yeah, I have a lot of respect for artists who like go off and do other shit, you know, and then like come back to whatever their music or their painting or whatever, when they're like, oh yeah, I felt called to come back to this medium, but like, you know, fuck all y'all. Cause I'm not, I'm not just doing it for doing it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it just like breaks my heart. Well, the, 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 like there's a couple things there. Like I kind of get annoyed at art kids and by annoyed i mean like incredibly like frustrated when it's like on one hand they're like yeah we got to like destroy the system and capitalism's evil and hurrah hurrah but then they value their creative output like within terms of the marketplace you know so if it's not getting traction on social media or if those prints that they're trying to sell like people aren't buying them then they feel like a loser and there's like so many like incredible artists that i know or like you know, like painters or whatever, and they're doing like really meaningful work, but then because they're unable to support themselves directly through that medium, they, they feel like a loser and like, what's the point of it? And then they give up on their art practice anyways. And then it's, yeah, then they're unable to have like an impact on society. And I think, especially right now with like everything that society's going through, like we need more artists that are willing to create work that allows us to have the tough conversations that we need to have and to like highlight and bring attention to what the world can be and like how we can move towards that. 
Mm-hmm. There's also, I find in the, the art, especially when you get into like grants, that dichotomy of like, fuck capitalism, but I'm going to say yes to this grant, which is most likely some very wealthy person off-gassing money that they made doing nefarious things in some other part of the world. Yeah. And I think especially in like the Canadian like art system, like that plays a huge thing. And yeah. And it's like, how do you balance that too? Like, is it, is it fine for, you know, like the opera hall to be taking money from, you know, a gas company and that kind of stuff. And the the other thing with like the grant system is like, once you kind of enter that system and you get good at writing grants and you've have gotten a few, then you just start getting more and more right because you know it's been proven that you can deliver it on it and it's i don't it's all it's all kinds of weird so for me i just don't want to do it and maybe that's like a cop out but like i just like i'm in a position now where and i feel like really blessed and privileged where i'm like working for a company that you know like i enjoy and like the the work that we're doing is like very in line with like my values and then to just have like my art be the thing that brings me fulfillment and enjoyment, you know, and I can kind of like get lost in like writing stories and like putting together publications and connecting with other individuals through that and like releasing work in an interesting way and not be trying to scheme and get caught up in that like whole Gary V like hustle culture thing. Cause I know, and I've, I've been there and I just don't, I just don't want to do it anymore because it's like I just don't want to be a bro that's <laughs> end of the story so what do you wish you had known about money earlier on in your creative profit oh man like how co- compounding interest works so with that magazine destroy the internet, me and my buddy found ourselves in this opportunity where uh, we were talking with a big magazine distributor and they were like, yeah, sign this contract and we will publish your magazine across Canada. And we're like, that sounds awesome. And if we can get our magazine in chapters, then we'll have internal happiness and it'll feel really good. And once it's there, then obviously it's going to be so good that everybody's just going to buy it. And then we'll ride off into the sunset being like David Carson. But like with that, with that contract is like, they don't cover your cost of anything. So you have to one, make the magazine two get it printed three, pay for the shipping. So I was like, listen, Ryan, who's the guy I did the stuff. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to take out a loan and I'm going to do this thing. So I go to the bank and they're like, yeah, come in. And like, I, I think for the most part, like banks aren't necessarily your friend. You know, you got to like understand that relationship. So I go in there and they're like, okay, we can't give you a loan. But what we can do is like give you this really big line of credit. But also because you're a young male and whatnot, you're the, you're like the amount of interest that you're going to have to pay on that is going to be higher because you're kind of like in a high risk bracket. I'm like, great. Sign me, give me the papers. And I sign them and had this line of credit and like maxed it out to cover our printing costs. And then we sent out the magazine. So then with like the line of credit, you just got to keep paying the interest. So I had, I really didn't have any idea of like how that worked, but essentially just had that parked. And then, you know, like obviously the magazine went 
out into the world and was not a smash hit. Surprise, surprise. And then for years, I just kind of had this line of credit and like each month would pay the interest and then kind of got to this point where, you know, was making plans to move to Montreal with my partner and kind of like looking into that had just come out of school again and had got, you know, student loan staff and was like, how do I do this now? And then kind of started to look up stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I've like been just burning money and this thing's not going anywhere. And yeah, that moment was like, I need to sort this out. And, and I, and I don't know why nobody has that conversation with you. It's like, talk about money and like, talk about like sex and talk about like mental health and talk about nutrition. Like that should be like kid and, and, and consent. Like that should just be like kindergarten stuff. And it should be like founding principles that we can build on like later on. And like, you shouldn't be discovering the stuff as like, I don't know, like I was like 28 or like 29 at the time where I was like, oh, it's, it's time for me to figure this out. The, the financial stuff, <laughs> the rest of it, I had kind of started to figure out earlier on, but. Yeah, totally. I know. I ask myself that question every day. Also, I'm glad you figured that other stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, don't want to be a bro. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. So my final question for you. Okay. What advice do you have to get for other creatives when it comes to making money and making the creative work that matters to them? I think creative work needs to be something that you're nurturing and like not to get too short sighted on like what success there means. Cause like if I was able to go back to when I was just kind of starting to get into the art racket, I think the advice that I would have given myself is like, listen, you're about to like, do five really cool projects, but they're not going to be the thing that like makes you a big deal and just kind of take it as a learning opportunity and like know that this is going to click into place for you. And in terms of making money, like for me, it's always been more about like how much money can you hold on to? And I think like that needs to be the place that it starts because it doesn't, to me, like doesn't make sense to be focusing on trying to make, make more money if you're just bleeding money out through all these ways and like you're completely unaware of them so I guess my advice would be like take a hard look at your finances like pull up your credit card statements or whatever and like see where that money's going and like what areas can you live without and like what are the areas that you're spending your money on that like actually bring you joy and like keep those there and also that just like because like I work with a lot of photographers and now and there seems to be this like attitude with a lot of photographers that like they need that new piece of gear they need this and everything needs to be perfect and then I can kick it in but I was um talking to a photographer like Ollie and he's like all about restrictions and constraints equaling creative exploration so I think it's like what are the actual resources that you have available and push those as far as they can and like come up with smart solutions and like yeah and like that's how you end up recording incredible punk rock records get some totally <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about when it comes to money you have the floor oh wow i made some notes hold on yeah okay i think like the only other thing i kind of wanted to like i guess like touch on in the terms of money is that I think as humans, we have a really bad habit of like, I need to turn my life around right now. So then we make these very big declarations to ourselves and promises. And it's like, I'm going to put together this like budget and it's 
like a very like unrealistic budget. So then you're unable to achieve it. And then like, you feel like a loser and then like defeat and you kind of just like get locked in this like yo-yo cycle. And I think it's like also similar to like, kind of like, like fitness journey, you know, I think like people want, want it now and they make like shortcut decisions or like unrealistic goals and kind of just like get in locked in the cycle where they're not moving forward. Yeah. So I think if you're tuning into this podcast, you're obviously like checking out the incredible work that you're doing, which I think is like so cool that you're taking this on because creatives are like weird when it comes to money. It's like, I'm an artist. I don't even want to talk about it. It's like, mm, I mean, yo, man. <laughs> Are you also a trust fund kid? Because if not, you have to talk about it. Well, and that's that's like the other thing about this like whole entrepreneurial thing is like you, you look at these people and there's, they're like, I, so I just decided to go all in with my art. But then a lot of the time, if you dig deeper into that, like they had some type of support like that. Like they were lucky enough to have like a partner, or like parents or like whatever that allowed them to do that. And there's just been so many times in my life where I've done that without necessarily that type of support or like structure and like I'm just going to quit my job and it's going to happen it's like no there's 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 yeah there's a thing of like having too much time so I think like having the day job and like forcing that kind of structure and restrictions around your time and like having a paycheck come in so you can feed yourself and pay your rent so you can be creatively free and like yeah just like sort it out so anyways little by little and take a hard look at your situation and like right now with COVID, it's a really shitty time <laughs> to be like looking in to money. And if you're struggling, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but we'll get through this. We will. I'm very optimistic for the future. Mm. I appreciate that optimism. I mean, it's, I, I feel like it's uh, better than the alternative. Like if we're like, if the world's like actually ending, which I, I don't believe because I feel like every couple of years, like somebody starts screaming that the world is going to end. And at this point I'm like, yo, just like follow through on your promise. Cause I'm getting tired of hearing about it. Uh, is that like, I think it's probably better to be heading into that direction with a smile on your face than just like miserable the whole way there anyways. And what about you? Is there anything else you want to close on or any like holes that I can like fill in with like other conversations that you've had or. No, you said some really great stuff today, Bryce. Cool. Well, thank you for making the time. Yeah, thank you for being here. Awesome. I'm going to stop my recorder and I'll send you this file. The Used Key is hosted and produced by me, Ray Kess. If you have thoughts or questions about this episode that you would like to share, head over to the URL in the show description and let me know what you're thinking about. And just a reminder that money is a really personal topic for all of us. So if you're going to comment on today's show, please do so in a way that is thoughtful and respectful. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and for showing up to do the creative work that matters to you. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay bright.